You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Well, Mary, it's the election of a United States president, and there is dissent. There is claim of frauds. There's a claim that three southern states uh, were so filled with fraud that the electors there, uh, or the governments finally created two separate groups of electors. And then there was a northwestern state where an elector gets kicked off totally. The country does not know what to do. And what at least one of the parties, the Republican Party, thinks should happen is that the Republican president of the Senate, the vice president, he should be the guy who makes the decision of which electors are seated and then makes the decision essentially on uh, uh, on who gets, gets to be president. However, this election, as familiar as it may sound, is not between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It was in 1876 to 1877, and it was between Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes of the great state of Ohio. Did you know that? Yes. Wow. And we know, if we know our presidents, that Hayes was the victor of all of that. He was. And just a quick outline. I mean, I could go into lots of detail on this, but essentially it's this. Tilden was a uh, Democrat. He's from uh, the state of New York. He won the popular vote by a lot. It was by 200,000. But remember, the country is less than a third of the size it is now. 200,000 is a good number. But three states, uh, Florida, Florida is always in the middle of things, South Carolina and Louisiana, there was a dispute about the voting there based on fraud. So they had to go to one of my favorite phrases, the returning committee. We still use that phrase or or title now. And the returning committee in those states was run by Republicans. So the Republicans said, nah, you know who actually won our states? That would be the governor of the state of Ohio, Rutherford B. Hayes, which, by the way, Rutherford's just a great great name. So this goes back and forth. And at that point, we did not have the law that we have now. There really was no way to solve it, which is why the people in the Republican Party said, well, that's okay. We're going to leave it up to the president of the Senate, and he will make that decision. Now, there is fighting that goes on. There's filibusters. There's all these things going on right up to January 29th. Now, you might think, well, that's right up to the point of inauguration. But, aha, the historians among us will remember that the inauguration used to be in March, even up to the 1930s. Uh, Roosevelt was inaugurated in March. And so they decide to have a commission, and they're going to put five senators, five uh, Congress people, five Supreme Court justices. And the deal is made that these are going to be evenly split between Democrats Republicans and independents, so it won't be biased. Good deal. But one of the Supreme Court justices, who was one of the independents, gets offered a Senate seat by the Republicans. And he says, damn, 
I would love to be a senator. He goes and becomes the senator, and they stick a Republican in to the commission. And sure enough, the commission votes by one vote, that one vote that actually Hayes won the whole whole thing. Now, the country is about to explode. Things are going crazy. And the Speaker of the House decides we can't have this. He gets Hayes and uh, Tilden and their people together, and they make what's come to be known as the Hayes-Tilden Compromise. It was very consequential. And the deal was this. If the uh, Hayes administration would agree to withdraw federal troops from the South, remember, we're still in the Reconstruction period, and let the Southern states run themselves, something the Democrats really wanted, then the Democrats would back off and Hayes could become president. And that's what went on. And it was, frankly, a pretty corrupt deal. And it resulted in the loss of voting rights uh, uh, for African-Americans. It resulted in Jim Crow. It resulted in a whole lot of things. Okay, we have a sloppy election this year. But I got to tell you, that was a sloppy one. <laughs> that was sloppy, and as um, all as we say in the law, bad facts make bad law. So all those bad facts ended up with what was a bad law. But what? How is that affecting us now? Because it seems to me, and being no expert on this, that we have um, some in. Um, some parts of the law are not clear, right? So there, that's where there's space. The Republicans have some space. But one of the things that is clear that I understand is they have to make a decision. The business of counting has to be concluded in five days. Something like yeah. that, because there was a... Uh, I think it was an editorial in the New Yorker that said all the Republicans need to do is to drag the January 6th session out um, for five days, um, at which the the act says that that committee or whatever it is, or the Congress recesses for the debating the objections, and um, it gets thrown then to the House of Representatives. And those those that decision is made by this number of by states, not by members of the that's House. That's right. Now, and and that's a that's an interesting distinction because in currently Republicans have more state delegations than they do members of Congress. Exactly right. And just a little more trivia on this, I, not trivia history. A year after that whole mess, the country said. We can't do this again. So they got together and they wrote the election law that that we work under today. Uh, You know, you said bad facts make bad law. As a former writing teacher, I would also say bad writing makes bad law. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting that sometimes is how you compromise. I remember not to get off no, on a track, but working on some legislation when I was working for the attorney general's office and the person from the legislative aid office and I were like, I don't know exactly what that means. And we should it be passed that way to which I said, well, this is what keeps lawyers. in business. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a full employment <laughs> act. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, and exactly. The, the unusual thing, the law is vague. 
uh, it tries to give a process. And you know, when you try and write out ahead of time, here's how things will work. Do this, do this, do this. It gets vague. And so for a period of over a hundred years, that's been the law, but nobody ever really tested it. They didn't do anything. So this is the first time that we're testing it. And we have this unusual case of what shall we call Mike Pence? Weak-willed, lily-livered, vague something where, where the president... <laughs> or he's like morally compromised. Like he sees himself as the victim. He's so sad that he's put in this position. I know. It's terrible. And so right now, President Trump, as of last night in Dalton, Georgia, said... We're going to count on Mike Pence. And it's what the Twitter world in its hashtags, they're calling it the Pence card. And this is one of the biggest trending hashtags right right now. Don't you love that we're talking about hashtags and trending? Very cool. Uh, well, that, especially with Mike Pence in the same paragraph, because I don't think he knows what that yeah. is. <laughs> but nobody seems to know exactly what the Pence card is. Will Mike Pence suddenly bang down his gavel and say, the chair rules, uh, the president of the Senate rules, Donald Trump is now the president. I mean, I think that's what Donald Trump imagines. And so Donald Trump says, we're counting on him. And if he doesn't come through for us, we're not going to like him very much. I'm not making that up. He really said, we're not going to like I him. I kind of loved that. Yeah, that's really that. I kind really of loved that. that when he said that. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? Is this... Uh, is this a nothing burger? Uh, is Mike Pence just kind of playing around and saying, well, we'll do our best and nothing's going to happen? No, I think Mike Pence is probably having the worst moment of his life. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad we are talking about Mike Pence because I did have to make a correction. It's not that his wife wrote a book. A book was written about her. Remember yes, last yeah. week I was yeah, like, I she do. wrote a book. So then I, of course, me, I can't help myself. I go back and like, that doesn't seem right to me. So that was a book that was written about her. But anyway, and about them and their whole God thing. So I think he's just in, you know, to him, it's like a moral dilemma because what he's between his loyalty to Trump and what he knows is right under the Constitution. So yesterday, Bill Crystal, for everybody, anybody who doesn't know Bill Crystal, he's a conservative commentator, been a never Trumper from the beginning, and is just can't believe what's happened to not Republican Party, even the conservative movement. I think he's just appalled by it. So he sends this tweet yesterday that says, um, you know, that Pence doesn't want to subvert the Constitution because Pence sees himself as having some future. So what happens four years from now if Trump has gone from the scene and the stink that's left on him, and a lot of stink is going to be left on the guy, or poop, to use your word, what's really left on him is that he subverted the Constitution. I think it absolutely makes him ineligible to ever be president. But he feels a strong sense of loyalty. This is from Crystal. And, um, so that he thinks that Pence resigns today. Um, he said it's not going to happen, but it's just like think outside of the box because the other thing Pence really wants to avoid is pardoning Trump because that's another thing that's out there that Trump is going to say, I'll resign, you 
you know, you pardon me. Well, that makes Pence um, Gerald Ford, but worse than Gerald Ford. So, I mean, if you're Pence, and I'm not one to be super sympathetic to Mike Pence, but if you're Pence, talk about putting yourself, being in a no-win situation. Because this dude cannot win right now. Trump is already, you know, bad-mouthing him. And um, he's not going to have the Trump people. That's what they all think. I mean, just to go away from Pence for a minute, I think Cruz has made this calculation. The guy from Missouri, what's his name? Holly. Holly. Josh Holly. Yeah. Holly and Pence. They're making this contribu- this calculation that they have to stay loyal to Trump to be a viable candidate for 2024. I think that calculation is wrong, John. I think that Trump leaves, there'll continue to be some loyal supporters, but I think we will move on faster than people think. That's my prediction for what it's worth. Let me propose a path for Pence. And I don't I don't think it's a good one, but let me propose it. What if he plays the Jeff Sessions card? And what I mean by that is he says, I have thought about the ethics of this. I've consulted with lawyers. I have uh, viewed the whole situation, and it is clear that although the founders and the people who write the law maybe didn't intend it, I am in a badly conflicted position. And so I am going to recuse myself as president of the Senate. I simply won't come. It's an easy thing to do. And then the presiding officer becomes the president pro tem, Chuck Grassley, and he can figure out what to do. You think? Hey, that's a great idea for Mike, if you're listening, Mike. And I actually, I believe that he has considered that. At least there's been some reporting that he said, I'm not going to show up. But I think he does preserve some bit of his credibility and dignity if he does, as you call it, pull a sessions. Um, But he says, I just don't have a choice. I don't like it. I don't want this to be true. But But it is true. And so then it, at least he seems like a supporter of the Constitution. And so Okay, here, I can make way. it even better. What if he walks into the Senate, stops, turns around, walks out, and when somebody says, what are you doing? He said, I thought I saw some athletes kneeling down, and I cannot accept <laughs> that, and I walked out. Who la- yeah, who yeah, yeah there were like black here. guys <laughs> kneeling down in the back. And the president told me, if you ever see that, you get out as quickly as uh, as you can. All right. Well, yesterday you predicted, I want to remind people, Democratic double win deuces today, right? You're still standing by that? I'm still standing by that. I know it's super close, and that goes against what most people, including Kernacki, are saying. But I... I, it's just a gut. It's a very strong gut feeling. Now, answer me this question because we have just a couple more minutes. Is um, so Loeffler and Purdue will still be in the Senate? They'll be there um, tomorrow, right? For the no um, one all these shenanigans. One will and one I not. Loeffler, uh, David Purdue. Oh, Purdue is co- uh, his term yeah. ended, and so. Oh, it yeah. did. So he will not be there. There is no possible way 
that they get results certified and he gets sworn in for tomorrow. So he's on the sideline. Leffler is still in her term. And so she is able to walk in, do a little brush to the right, let her hair kind of go behind her, <laughs> look down and say, oh, Which no, I wore fashionable jeans today. All bad on me. But didn't she say that she's joining that gang yes. of 12 yeah, or whatever? She she's So she's ganging. She's joining that gang. And, um, okay, so that, that I wanted to clear up because I wasn't sure about that. I didn't know that about Purdue. And he also is um, COVID quarantined. Yeah, yeah. And well, uh, that's the other wild card in here. Are there more COVID? Oh, man, there's so many things. We have two incredible days coming up. Right. Great. So the the interesting thing, John, just yeah. before we go, is I did hear that they have been counting absentee ballots in Georgia. So we may know tonight. People were saying we wouldn't, but we may know tonight. So that will be exciting. Cannot wait to talk. Absolutely. Tomorrow. And what's the most important, exciting thing about tonight? Kornacki is back. <laughs> Kornacki. Yeah. Talk right. to you. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.